Are you looking for inspiration on a daily basis? Well, check out Deal to Heal Teas. With our inspirational teas, you're sure to find something that will inspire you. Just go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. That's Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear inspirational tea and be inspired all day. That's Deal to Heal Teas at Deal to Heal Teas dot myshopify.com Hey guys, this is Ernest James, host of the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And I got a question to ask you. Could you buy me a cheeseburger? Better yet, could you buy me a value meal? Yes? Well, guess what? I don't need a value meal. However, for the cost of a value meal, you can support this podcast to keep us on the air. Just go to Patreon slash Deal to Heal podcast and choose any one of the three tiers that's available. And if you just want to make a one-time donation, go to Cash App and make a donation to dollar sign E. James, the number 418, make a one-time donation to the Cash App, or again, go to Patreon to support this podcast and keep us on the air. Thanks in advance. Be blessed. Welcome to Deal to Heal with E. James Podcast. On this podcast, my guest and I will discuss topics and ways to help us to heal in every area of our lives. I believe that everyone can live a life that is happy, healthy, and whole. So I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. I am your host, Ernest James, and I believe that everyone can and should live a life that is whole, healed, and healthy. And therefore, I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. That's deal with your problems, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thank you guys once again for joining in to the Deal to Heal podcast. Uh, For those who haven't, if you haven't, Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page, also our Facebook page, where we're able to uh, converse with you a little bit more and give you more information on uh, things that we have coming up as far as workshops, seminars, products, whatever that we have going uh, going on. Make sure you do that for us. And also go to our uh, podcast page on Spotify. Give us a rating and also follow us there um, because we can use it. We can use it. We can use the rating. Let us know how we're doing, good or bad. Either way, I take all uh, suggestions. I don't take it personal. So, also make sure you stay until the end. I'm going to tell you guys how you can win a hundred dollars from the podcast. All right, but you got to stay to the end to find out. All right. So, again, thank you guys for uh, tuning in to the Deal to Heal with E James podcast. I am your host Ernest James, and today, just like any other day, we are blessed with a guest, Miss Takara. How are you doing? Hello, hello. I am feeling fantastic today. How are you? I am good. I am good. I'm really good. I, um, 
really, first of all, let me say thank you for uh, being on. Thank you for taking out the time to be here. Uh, you could be doing anything else, but you're here with me and my listeners, and I definitely appreciate it and want you to know that up front. Um, so, you know what? First, first question we're going to do. Um, so introduce yourself to my listeners and tell them who you are and what it is that you do. Absolutely. So thank you for the invite as well. I know um, you came across one of my rants <laughs> and that's how that's how we are here today. First and foremost, of course, I'm a woman. I'm just out here trying to um, enjoy life and everything that it has to offer professionally. Nine to five. I am a public health nurse with the military. I also have a podcast called A Letter to My Sister. I have a book coming out called A Letter to My Sister. I do group coaching for women. And basically all of this came about because I just got to the point one day where I said, I'm just not happy. I'm not happy with the way that I'm living life right now. And then so, but today I'm in a completely different situation. And so my goal is to help the frustrated professional woman just live the life that she desires and that is most authentic to her without doing all the people pleasing that sometimes we tend to do. All right. All right. Okay. So you said a mouthful. So, you know, we're going to jump right in. So I, I definitely want to talk about the podcast um, and, and the coaching a little later um, yeah, because I was, I was listening to your podcast. I actually got to check it out and uh, listen to a couple episodes. And so, um, I, I liked what I heard, you know, definitely. So, and also congratulations on the podcast. Thank you. Um, I think you're, you're in the second or third season. Yes. I, uh, am I in the third? Yes. I'm in the third season. <laughs> <laughs> They're going by so fast. Right. Right. Okay. Yes, okay. okay. So, um, like you said, I, I came across uh, one of your video. I think it was a video or a live. I think it was a live you were doing. I came across you were you were doing a live, and I kind of just you know listened to it and everything, and I was like, okay, I like I like it, you know. And so I I reached out to you, um, and just like everybody else, I send them a a guest request form. And so when I got to your form, when I was looking at it, and I seen the uh, the topics that you want to speak on, I was like, oh, okay, we're gonna have some talking now, right? So. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that you put on, you, you wanted to talk about uh, or address the differences between um, sexual advice given to young men or young boys and young girls uh, growing up in the church. And so me and myself, I'm a PK. I've been in church my, you know, my whole life, the whole thing. And so I was like, ooh, we've had to get it. So I, <laughs> so I was really, I was really, because I'm going to let you start it. Right, because it's your, I don't want to take over because I have my own things with with sex in the church. But <laughs> so well, I'm about to be juicy then. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> so the first thing, like I said, you you mentioned about uh, the differences in the advice um, that is given to boys and girls, and then you also mentioned uh, uh, purity purity culture. So what are some of the differences uh, that you see in that advice that is given, you know, from boys and girls as far as growing up in the church? And then, first of all, what is your experience with the church? Are you also grown, uh, raised in the church also? Very much so. Um, I do have a little bit of a 
what what what's the best way that I want to put it? I wasn't forced to go to church. I actually just like to go to church. And interestingly enough about me is that um, I came from a primarily single parent household. So I stayed with my mom during the school year, stayed with my father, my grandparents, basically the whole family during the summer because that's where everyone else was. And so my mother, she's not big into church, but I was. And so I, back in the day, you know, when it was safe, of course, but I used to call like the church man myself to come pick me up so they could take me to church. And so like for me, I have always been into church. And then during the summer, I was basically on everything that there was. I was in the junior choir. I was in the youth ministry. I was a junior usher. So I was <laughs> everywhere. Whatever position was available, I promise you, I, I'm sure that I did it in the church for sure. Okay, cool, cool. I, I also, uh, I wasn't in everything. Um, I was in the choir. Uh, I think that's necessary. Just growing <laughs> up, you in the choir, whether you want to be or not. Um, but I also still tell the story about um, my first sermon that I ever did. Um, and so what happened with that, we would have a, a youth day uh, every, you know, once a month, you know, if it's youth. So on a youth day, the youth do everything. Usher, you know, from the top to the bottom, you know, in, including preach. And so the girl who was over the youth department, she was only a couple of years older than us. She probably was like 19, maybe 20 at that time. I know she was like around, you know, late teens. Um, she was too much older than us. And um, whenever we would have, you know, the youth day, she would always be the speaker. And so this one day, again, she got up to, to get ready to be the speaker. And the pastor was like, nope, stop. And like every, you know, every month, you know, we always had the same person. We have a whole youth department, like, and nobody else, you know, none of you, none of the rest of you, you know, speak or whatever. So she was like, so I'm going to pick. And so she picked me and she picked my cousin. And she was like, y'all got five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and wow. so he went first. So that gave me five minutes to find a scripture real quick. And so um, it went well, of course, you know, and the rest is history, but <laughs> I never that. I'm like, oh shoot, you know what I mean? It was like right on the spot. So it was like, all right, let me let me jump in and do what I need to do. So um, and so that being said, of course, I grew up in the church. Of course, I, I said I'm a, I'm a PK, um, third or fourth generation preacher, pastor. Uh, I think about five generations, maybe. I don't know. I said a lot of us. Um, and so I definitely grew up in the church. So again, um, when we're talking about the, the differences in advice, just give us an example of, you know, one of the differences and that you, you know, speak of, uh, between the difference and the advice given to young boys and your own young girls when we talk about sex in the church. Yeah. I think of course, one of the main things that is heavily focused more so, and I'll stick with the church, but in the church environment is the way that we dress as women. And so mm -hmm. we, we want to have this pure appearance, you know, and depending on, depending on your subset, it may even be more strict. And so, you know, you want to wear your skirts and your dresses to your knees. You don't, you're even in some all the way to your ankles and typically it's given in a way so that you do not tempt someone else. Mm -hmm. And then even I remember like, I'm 
I've got some shaky legs. I got some runner's legs. <laughs> my grandma used to be like, uh-uh, baby, you have to cover them up. Um, get my <laughs> scarf. Get my scarf. You about to be up in the pulpit. You need to cover your legs up. And so, like, to me, it was one of those things where as, you know, young boys where you were able to dress, you know, in whatever way that you essentially wanted to. But then as a woman, the assets that you naturally have, everything has to be covered up. Like, you can't really wear something like this in some cases it's got to go to your knees or to your ankles or something like that and then if you're not acting accordingly then you might get the title of fast you're being fast mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> i never heard never heard a boy called fast ever a male nothing <laughs> never heard them being called fast you know it even if even if two kids were caught being inappropriate it's typically the young girl is the one who gets the type the negative you know title so that's one of them or two of them however many i just gave two examples yeah yeah and i and i so i i grew up uh definitely in in the environment with the young girls wearing the um or the ladies in general at, at least to the knees but some to the ankles too you know what I mean? So, and then I also grew up where um, the ladies didn't wear pants. So it was always skirts. And then even with, with us as the men, we did have a dress code too. Um, several things in, in my church, right? So we couldn't wear shorts. So we always had to wear full length pants. We couldn't have a beard. So I can have this. You know what I mean? I had to cut my beard off. You had to be clean shaven you know, uh, nice, regular haircut. Couldn't even be bald back then. You know, like, no, you have to have the standard, you know, not even a fade, just a standard haircut, you know, growing up. And so, uh, yeah, so I definitely understand that. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, in my upbringing, of course, like I said, we had our things also mm -hmm. uh, with the, the boys and the girls. But one so of the other that things- That is not to tempt- like for for how you had to, for well, your you know, I no, I don't think not necessarily for the for the men for the for the males. It just was the dress code, like that's what it was, you know. Uh, for the females, it was the dress code that was the dress code also, but that was part of the reason why that was the, the dress code, you know, because I do remember. Um, those conversations being had, like, you know, cover yourself and, you know, things like that. Um, so, yeah, it, that that's definitely a, um, a different thing. But I, I know one of the other things that um, taught, even when we start talking about sex in the church, a lot of times the whole situation, when you even bring up sex, it was like, okay, no sex, period. You know, uh, save yourself to marriage. Um, and while I agree with that, you know, uh, in, in principle, I think that a lot of things, at least with me growing up, and I think it's just in general, um, from my generation, I'm 45, you know, so from my upbringing 45 years ago, it still was probably kind of the same. Some of the things changed a little bit more now than it was then, but a lot of things that we were taught to do, we were taught to do it without reason. Right. It was like, because this is what the rules are, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that um, had we really had the conversations, 
you know, of why you do some of the things or why you were taught to do some of the things that you did, it would have stopped a lot of people from a lot of children, kids from doing different things, you know? So instead of just saying, uh, you know, save yourself to a marriage, but let's talk about, you know, what happens when, you know, you join together in a sexual act with someone and the emotions and the soul ties and the things that, you know, carry along with that. Cause now that it makes sense to me, you know, right. even as a child, it would make sense, you know, save myself because if I give myself to someone who's not worthy, you know, now I feel some type of way. Or if I give myself to someone who may be misleading me, you know, and now they've got what they came for and they gone and how that makes me feel, you know, now that I'm left uh, behind, that would make more sense to me. But we didn't have those conversations. You know, did you guys have those conversations coming up? No, <laughs> no, no. It was keep, it was uh, keep your legs closed. Um, it was, you know, stay pure. So it, basically everything that you just said is exactly what was taught. I do believe that um, as far as church culture goes, we're definitely getting a lot better as far as emphasizing the reasons why, but certainly, certainly back then, I'm not too far behind you. I'm 39. So even still same conversations exactly and and you know and and top of that also it was you know don't get pregnant you don't want to get pregnant and things like that but then when young ladies did come to the church and they were pregnant you know it was so much shame that you could see on the face or that you know they kind of became the talk of the town and then all of a sudden they would disappear no one would see them again until after they had the baby. Then once they had the baby, it seemed like everyone was just welcoming them with open arms as if nothing happened. And I was like, you know, that's a gap right there because the the time that, you know, she left clearly was probably the time that she needed the most support. And we kind of dropped her right. in that aspect. Yeah. And cause that's almost a year, you know, and, and definitely you already uh, as a woman in a emotional state, you know, just because you're you're carrying a child. And so that's the least time, like you said, that you want to be left by yourself, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and then we also know that, you know, the mother's emotional state definitely plays, have an effect on the baby's, you know, physical and emotional state when the, when the baby is uh, conceived, you know. So we definitely will want to make sure that at those times that she was, you know, receiving the most, uh, support than ever, especially in the church, you know, and, and that's where, you know, again, we, you know, we, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I I think that it has to be addressed and so that hopefully it can, it can change, you know, um, like you said, this, we were talking about our generation, but we are the leaders of the next generation. And if we're not having the conversations, then how is it, you know, how is it, how is it going to change? How are things going to change? And um, so that's why I say, you know, even with the reasoning behind some of the teachings that we have, you know, just by giving us a reason why we're doing it. Oh, now that makes sense. You know what I mean? And so uh, even like, you know, I mentioned about, you know, staying a virgin until you're married. Why? You know, um, and then definitely we have to even talk more so about, like you said, once you have, you know, uh, let's have had sex or have, you know, not just had sex, that's one. But a lot of times we can still hide that. You know what I mean? We can still hide it unless you were getting caught in the act or something like that. You can still hide that. 
Um, but then if you end up pregnant, you can't hide that because now that evidence is, is out there. But even having that or having, you know, had sex and having got pregnant, there has to be more reconciliation and forgiveness, not from God, but from the church itself, you know, to be able to say, okay, you made a mistake, you know, whatever, uh, you already repented, you know, definitely means repenting uh, to God and, and everything. So let us help you from here, you know, to go, you know, teach you whatever it was. So like I said, if, you, if you're pregnant, that's a whole nother uh, element to it. But even if, if you don't get pregnant, let's just say now that you're you're uh, you have had sex. So, OK, now, if we're having those teachings of why now you can really even understand, because now you may have had sex with somebody that you weren't even in relationship with, you know, or somebody who, again, was misleading. And now you're in this place that now you can see, OK, this is what they're talking about. You know, but if you weren't having those conversations in the first place, you don't even have nothing to fall back on to say, oh, is this what it, this what I was talking about? This what it was? You know, and so, um, you know, unless you have another example of, of something uh, or want to mention something else, you know, that a, a difference. Because I, I know we, we talked about those, but is, are there any other ones that come to mind? Um, specifically the topic of purity itself mm -hmm. and purity culture, because, you know, for us, when I was growing up in the church, we had the, the purity, like the, the promise rings and all that. But I, I don't remember seeing my counterparts at, like I have a, a purity ring and, you know, all the things and cheer and, and keep yourself pure, you know, and you want to present yourself to your husband and things like that. But my counterparts were not getting that same, they're not getting a conference. I've never seen a man come up to me and say, yes, yes. I also went to a purity conference. I also have a promise being like, I, I have not come across it. If you have, I don't know, but I have not. And well, you know what? So, uh, tell me a little bit about that, because so in, in my growing up, we didn't even <laughs> we we didn't even have the purity culture. So okay. the whole that whole notion, we didn't have that on either side. You know, it's for the boys or the girls. You okay. know, so tell me a, a little bit about that, because I personally haven't experienced or know anyone personally who has experienced even going through that um, that culture or being a part of that. Okay. So basically, you know, the emphasis, of course, is the same thing that we hear. Keep yourself pure. Keep your legs closed. You want to present yourself, you know, um, to your husband. You want to wear white on your wedding day. You don't mm -hmm. want to stain yourself. And I feel like when we give those kinds of messages in the situation that you just gave, if then a woman does have sex and she's grown up in that, you need to be pure. You need to be able to present yourself to your husband. There's so many women that I've come across that now feel less than because they have had sex and now they feel extremely guilty and they can't get past that aspect of it because now they feel like not only have they let down uh, God, they've let down themselves, they let down their family. And it's like, they weigh it so heavily, like they haven't even been able to forgive themselves. And then they call themselves names because of how deeply ingrained that is to them because we're not teaching forgiveness. We're not teaching the reasons why we're not teaching um, 
like how like as far as sustaining we're not teaching how to sustain yourself during abstinence and then even for me just for my own personal story even i said okay i did not wait until marriage um to have sex but then after that i got convicted into a point where i said okay no more sex for me until i get married and then so but even that because i still had all of those old thinking and processes and I had gone so long without sex, it took me so long to get my brain to flip once I got married to actually say sex is okay. And I feel mm. like that's the message that we're not getting is that initially young children get sex is bad, sex is bad, no sex, no sex, no sex, no sex. Then you get married and they're like, well, when y'all having kids? Well, you just told, you've been telling me all these years that sex right. was bad. Now you want me to be out here doing the things a husband and wife is supposed to do. I'm trying to switch my mindset because for 20, whatever, however it is, until you decide to get married, you now have to come to the mindset that sex is good. And so we have to save, yes, sex is good, but in the confines of this, or once you do this, and I feel like once we start to do that kind of message, then we can come at this from a more well-rounded view. Because I do know sometimes, you know, parents have a difficult time bringing up that conversation and it's odd. Or, you know, sometimes parents want to tell you, okay, don't have sex, but they didn't. So then, you know, then it's kind of like, well, how are you going to tell me? And you didn't. And so I feel like we need to be able to have more open and honest conversations. Personally, this is just me personally. I don't have kids. Let me put that disclaimer out there as well. But I feel like um, we need to start as early as possible, not talking about sex, but sexual things so that it's not so foreign once the time comes to actually have sex. So me personally, I suggest that people start having sexual type conversations as early as four. And people are like, four? But I'm like, Children need to know what is considered appropriate and inappropriate. And so by the time that child is five, they're out of your sight. They're out of your sight for at least a whole day or half a day. And when they're going to the bathroom and this and that and the other, they need to know what's appropriate and not. And you never know what is happening when these children are not in your sight, especially if you did not tell them. And then I always, you know, say you need to use technical terms. So don't use those cute names, you know, that, oh, did they touch you? <laughs> this, your Tata, your TT, and this and that, or, you know, naming it some other kind of thing. But I'm like, if God forbid something was to happen to your child and you take that person to court and you put your child on the stand and they're using these cute names, that lawyer can easily circumvent whatever they said. They're like, no, they misunderstood. Like if you're giving them a candy name or like your apple or whatever, they're right. like, no, they misunderstood. I actually offered them an apple. Okay, there's no way. There's no way to rebuttal that. And so I feel that if we start having those conversations with our children early, it's not a strange conversation to have because this has been progressive their entire life. As they go through puberty, we start talking about that. You may start feeling some urges and some sensations. That's perfectly okay. Like your body does what the body is going to do. And I think if we 
do that, then it's easier to have those conversations, not just coming out of nowhere, like, hey, you have urges, you having sex, you, <laughs> and then, you know, it's not so odd after that. <laughs> you know, and I agree with you, um, even going back to, to the beginning, like you said, when you first said, you know, four, I was still, I was also kind of like four, oh, you know, you but then like you, a bit like... <laughs> right. But, but when you, when you started talking, it made more sense because uh, at those early age, ages, we are teaching them about, you know, stranger danger, or if somebody touched you in a way, you know, was, you know, that's not appropriate. So again, like you said, if we, if we are having, definitely we need to be having those conversations. But if we're having conversations about what's not appropriate, then yes, we should also be having conversations of what is appropriate, you know, and of course, you know, those conversations will be appropriate for that age group, you know, um, you know, for, for a child and as they grow up, but we need to be having those conversations because again, like you said, once you, after being taught, you know, your whole life, especially if you grew up in church, like I did, to, you know, sustain from sex, don't have sex, you know, sex is bad until marriage, whatever. But by the time you get married, there's no other conversation, you know, outside of, okay, now you can do it. Do what? You know what exactly. I mean? And so it's, it's not only need to be taught the, that is 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 good and is natural within the confines of marriage, as which it was you know, intended for, but let's have a conversation about what it actually is. You know, let's have a conversation about, you know, sustaining, not only sustaining, but sustaining and dating. What does that look like? You know, what is the, the, the mindset behind it? What can you do and what uh, sort of things should you be looking for to build a meaningful relationship without sex? Cause you want to do that anyway, you know? And so you're not, uh, getting caught in these infatuation um, relationships, you know, especially which happens a lot. Uh, I, I wasn't my experience, but I believe it happens a lot with people that I knew that grew up in the church. You get in these relationships uh, and you get infatuated with each other, but you have because you don't really have any uh, real guidance on the emotional or the sexual but not even the emotional part to be able to differentiate what is love in and what, what love is and what love is not in a relationship. Because we always hear about, you know, God is love and love is kind. And, you know, you want to, you know, spit the scriptures. Okay. But what does that mean in reality? What does that mean to me? What does that mean in, in this relationship that I am in? Because once you get married again, it's too late, Right. And I remember, uh, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Kev on stage, um, the community. So I remember listening to him and his wife talking about when they got married because, you know, she grew up in the church. I, I think they both did to an mm-hmm. extent, um, right. but she was still a virgin. But even that same thing, that's what happened to her was trying to get her mind to switch over from, you know, being, I've been a virgin this whole time and I've been saving myself this whole time and I've been, you know, celibate this whole time. Now to switch my mind and say, it's okay. Even if you say it to yourself, it's okay. But the actual getting yourself to the point where you're comfortable with even doing it after you've been saying it was bad your whole life, that takes a toll on you, you know? And so we need to definitely be having these conversations because I know, um, from growing up, some of the 
the uh, teachings when we got to where we were ready to get married, even even after, right? So even after you get married, it's like, okay, you can have sex. And that's it. You know, <laughs> so you're like, well, okay, what? You know what I mean? What, what are we supposed to be doing here? You know, so if you're not having the conversation at all regarding sex, then even if you teach someone to wait until marriage and they do, then what? You know, what do you do after that? Because you're pretty much setting them up, setting them up for failure or could be setting them up for failure, especially if their mate is, is not a virgin. If their mate is already experienced, because now that mate is coming to the table with some expectations, you know, and some experiences that you may not have, that you may not be ready for, you know what I'm saying? Or that you may not even be, have been exposed to at, at this point. And now... You know, you just got married and supposed to be the happiest time, let alone to about the uh the honeymoon. <laughs> you go on the honeymoon and you <laughs> they're ready to, to swing from the chandeliers, and you're like, wait a minute, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. And so I feel like, you know, my personal opinion, I'm like, if you're gonna tell us, if you're gonna give us a direct command, like, hey, don't do this, don't do that, then show me how to get there properly. Mm -hmm. because you know and then we tend to take bits and pieces and we don't put them in context either and then so we say okay well you know paul said it's better it's better to marry than you know burn from lust and so we're like well just hurry up and get married let's just hurry up because both of us have these feelings and these sensations and these but we're not saying okay but this is the proper way that you need to vet this person that you're with this is the proper way that you need to do this and then so we rush into these marriages and now we're struggling and then we're just being told, just pray about it, just pray about it. You got it. And then you have these same couples that are going through divorce in secret because they really had nobody to turn to and they, or they didn't even know who to talk to. And it's like we become we also become very detached once we're told sex is bad. And so we don't even know what we like. And so a lot of people assume that that means that, oh, well, I got to go here. I got to test drive. I got to experiment. I got to do this. And it's not that. But like, what do you like? Like, what do you like against your skin? What feels nice against your skin? What is it that you like to do? What are some of the textures? What are the feels? What are the like you can figure some of these things out without you actually being in relationship with someone. And then it's like if you feel lonely okay, are you feeling lonely just because you need to be in community? Do you feel lonely because you need to have more quality friendships? Like, what is the reason behind some of these things? And so I feel like if we start asking those type of questions and drilling further down, then we're able, we're at least able to make people more armed and more prepared. So truly, if they are going to sustain or abstain, I try to say, um, because I did learn as of late, there is a difference between celibacy and abstinence. And I was like, oh, thank you. I was not aware because of course we use them interchangeably. But what I learned from someone else is celibacy is like, you're taking the vow, like you're the nun, the monk, that is celibacy. You don't plan on having sex. Abstinence is, well, I'm waiting until a certain endpoint, And then that is where I'm going to have sex. But then also where you brought up with uh, Kev on stage and his wife, um, I feel like 
also kind of within the church community, we can wear virginity as a badge of honor because we've done what we were supposed to do. And so I've got this badge of honor that I've had this entire time. Now I get into marriage and I don't have the badge anymore. Right. Like it was good, but I don't have it anymore. And then it's like, okay, well now you need to make another adjustment because you've self-identified this entire mm -hmm. time as being a virgin. Some people probably even gave you kudos for that and gave you congratulations because you have saved yourself and most people have not done this. And it's like, we need to kind of look at it from a different way. Like instead of it being like, yep, I'm a virgin, like just kind of making it very casual. Like for me to say, yeah, I'm a vegetarian. People aren't going to be like, oh, you're a vegetarian? But if I say I'm a virgin, they'd be like, for real? Like, how you, how you doing that? Like what's going on here? And then people have more questions. And then also for me, when I, when I was a virgin, it, it was almost like it was a challenge for some people that I did decide to date. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you need to be aware of that as well. Cause no one told me that when you out here doing what you're supposed to do, you might come across some men that see um, your virginity as a challenge to see if they can mm -hmm. talk you out of your conviction. Yeah. Cause now they want to take that, that badge and hang it on their wall for a different reason. You know, uh, and, and that's exactly what you said. And, and I agree with you 100 um, percent, because when we talk about uh, the virgin part of it and the whole thing with that to be as if when it becomes part of your identity, you know, it's a, a lot. People use a lot of things that they hold on to that becomes part of a part of them. Um, one thing with men, a lot of times we associate our work as part of our identity. You know, you know, what do you do? Which is a question that you often ask a man, hey, what do you do for a living? You know, and he's like, okay, I'm this, you know, I, and that becomes part of, of our identity. Um, but in, in the church world, especially when we're talking about virgins, rare is rare for men. We do have it. We do have, I do know some, you know, that, that did wait. Um, so you have that and then you have the women, but it's more so on the women. Again, that's one of those biases and I think it's, it's kind of uh, impressed more on the females than it is on the men, on the males. And then it's more celebrated at the, at the same time. Because like you said, when you get to the, even if, if you wait to the to the wedding, to you do get married, generally, especially now, the man's tux is black or whatever color. And then the woman gets to wear white because she was poor or whatever. So even if you waited as a man, you know, for that day, when you get there, you're still not celebrated because you got on a black suit. So, so she looked like you going to a funeral and she looked like she going to have it. So it was like, what, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And so, yes, that, that whole disconnect and to then have to try to turn that off, you know, and depending on how much of a part of your story that is, you know, that can be a hard thing. Even when now you're in a position where, hey, now's the time you're supposed to do it. And now is the time that it's okay. Now is the time that, you know, you're supposed to share yourself with this person who you've chosen to spend the rest of your life with. But it's easier said than done, you know, without the teachings of it, without, you know, understanding it and knowing what to expect before you get to that point, you know, that's a whole nother ball game. You know, so I, I definitely uh, agree with you on that. And, you know, and, and I think the, the marriage part of it is is really big. Um, we, we are doing better in the church. 
um, as a whole with our, our marriage ministries and even our divorce ministries. You know, I've heard, I haven't I've been to one. Unfortunately, I have been divorced, but I haven't been a part of a, a divorce ministry. Um, but I definitely think that it's necessary. I think there are some changes that you go through. I think there are some loneliness that you go through. I think there are some separation anxieties that you go through, um, especially um, with the women. Sometimes if you were a woman who's, who your husband was the, the breadwinner, you know, and things like that, especially if you got together young. So maybe he's been the breadwinner your whole adult life. You know, and now you're in this position that now you have to take care of yourself and your own bills and things like that, um, as well as the kids. If you had kids, I, I, I definitely can see how that can be challenging. So I'm glad that as a church society, we are moving forward. You know, um, again, I haven't. It's been a long time since I had that had, had those conversations. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not sure how they go. But um, I, I, I'm glad that we are moving forward and we are able to have those conversations now, um, at least some, some of us on, on some platforms. But I do think that we probably need to you know, push it a little more so that, you know, make it common across the board, you know, make it common. And I think that uh, um, just that within itself could change a whole lot, even with, that, with our numbers of the divorce in the church. You know, because that's a whole nother ball game. You start talking about divorce and then you think in the church it should be different. Well, if you ain't taught, you ain't taught whether you're in the church or out the church. If you're not taught, you know, going into a marriage, what that looks like, how to operate inside of a marriage, what that looks like. And even on the way out, what that should look like. You know, um, if you're not taught it, you're not you're not taught it. And so whether you're in the church or outside the church, it's still going to have the, the same results. So. Oh, I'm so glad we had this conversation. It, um, yeah, I think it's very in, enlightened, and I'm glad to to hear uh, definitely from a woman's point of view because this is not a conversation. I don't think this is a conversation I've ever had. <laughs> it's definitely with a woman, so that I think that's great. So, speaking of conversations, we mentioned at the beginning that you have a podcast. And uh, I, I also mentioned that I, I was able to check check it out uh, to some of the um, episodes that you have. So talk to us a little bit about the podcast and how you even came to the point to get involved in this podcast world. Ooh, that's an excellent question. So uh, my podcast is called A Letter to My Sister, and it is all the things that I wish I had known about self-relationship, money, and careers every bit of that, uh, especially a lot about self and relationships for sure. And so uh, for this season, I'm focused solely on relationships, all aspects of relationship, all aspects of marriages. So I'm like, we really need to know the real deal <laughs> about marriages around here. But um, I decided to do the podcast, number one, because I was coming out with the book and they said, okay, well, how about you get some more of these thoughts and ideas out? And interestingly enough, is I had um, I had separated from my husband in like at the end of 2020. And then so at the start of 2021, that was when I was like, okay, I'm gonna get some things in order. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And so the day that my divorce was final is actually the day that I chose to press play for the podcast. And so for me, that was kind of like the end of one thing and it was the start of another thing, but also in the process of that, 
I was like, you never really hear a person's perspective when they're going through a divorce until they're like years removed from it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like when they're talking about it, there's no more emotion in there. They make it seem like it's so easy. Like, yeah, you know, I just had to do this and I just had to do that. And I just had to do that. And I was done. And so I had like little segments in between called in the thick of it, where I was actually processing the emotions and the feelings that I was having um, about the divorce as I was in it. So like, if I felt a certain kind of way, I pressed record. If I felt another kind of way, I pressed record. And so, so that people can really get a good idea of that. I talked about just phases of when I did have low self-esteem when I was younger and how that affected a lot of the decisions that I made, including the people that I chose to date, questions that I should have been asking, red flags that I saw that I was like, oh, it's fine. It's okay. It's okay. And, you know, just kind of going through that. And so that is basically what the podcast is about. So either I can be your big sister or I could be your your good cousin or just someone who's had the experience that maybe you just haven't had yet. So I think everyone can get a little bit from it. Okay, okay. And and you mentioned about your book. I know it's, uh, um, you said it's not, you probably don't have a release date yet, but tell us a little bit about it. So, you know, build up a little anticipation. We'll be waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, so this actually called a letter to my sister as well. I call it the Big Sister's Guide to Dating and Relationships. And I go into a lot more. I literally put myself out on Front Street. It's really well. I got all my little business out there. <laughs> but I talk about the way that I grew up. I talk about the way that I, uh, the way that I internalize things. I talk about my living with my mom for the school year, my father during the summer. How I initially did not think that that had an effect because I know that you talk about. Um, fatherlessness sometimes in different episodes. And even though my father and I have a very good relationship, a very close relationship, I did not realize I still had some of the remnants of a child who did not have their father around all the time. And so I realized, okay, a lot of these men I dated was actually because they gave me compliments that I wasn't used to hearing very mm -hmm. often. So you're pretty, you're beautiful, you're this, you're that. And so I talk about how I got into some of these relationships I talk about um, how I got into my marriage, the things that I saw that I did not quite question, that I should have questioned. I break down in each segment because I talk about yourself first, then I talk about dating, then engage, then married, if you need to walk away and divorce. And so each part, I have different questions that you really need to ask yourself about, okay, am I actually ready to date? All right, now that I'm dating, am I actually ready to be engaged? Have we had these types of conversations? And I really, really, really emphasize counseling. Premarital counseling, regular counseling, all the counseling. But I really <laughs> emphasize that because, you know, as, as a church, we always think of premarital counseling and we go to church for the premarital counseling, which I will say I am for. But I also believe that if that person is not equipped then you need to go to a professional. Honestly, I still say you need to go to a professional. You need to go to a neutral party because sometimes the, the that person, whoever you're going with, may not be as honest as they need to be because now they don't want to be judged by this person that they know or end up hearing their story mm -hmm. come across the pulpit. And so um, that was one of the things that I said, I really wish 
that not only had we done premarital counseling with the church, but we had done it with a professional to maybe ask some of those deeper questions because he did ask us some really good questions, but we didn't go any deeper into it. And now that I see we didn't really go deeper into that, that is really what caused some of our, our issues as well. Again, sex also being one of those because it, it took me so long to, to, to click over. And then because I was living with my mom, single parent, I miss independent. I don't need your help. I don't need this. I don't need that. Mm -hmm. And so that took me a long time too. And so those are all of the things that I talk about in the book. So this is not meant to be like read through, put it down and done. This is meant to pick it up for each phase that you're in and then pick it up again and then pick it up again. And if you do decide that you need to walk away, I have questions that you need to ask yourself. In the divorce question, I only have one because I'm not an advocate for divorce whatsoever, but I do believe there are situations where, like if the person is trying to get you to see the Lord quicker than what he told you to now, you don't have to get up out of there. So, but I have like questions that you need to really ask because I do believe that some of us, we tend to leave our marriages too quick at the first sign. And if I had gotten divorced when I wanted to, I would have had, I would have had some regrets because I wouldn't have felt like that I had done every single thing it is that I turn every corner, that I do my best, that I really try to resolve everything, or did I just wash my hands of it and go? But because I stayed, because I know that I flipped and turned everything that I was supposed to, like when I did decide to get the divorce, when I did decide to walk away, like I really felt comfort. I did not feel convicted. I still felt the love of Jesus, you know, because some people struggle with that too. But it's mm -hmm. like, when you've done all that, when you've spoken to your father and he's giving you whatever downloads you need, whatever love you need, whatever comfort you need, whatever confirmations it is that you need, then I feel like that's when you can just truly evolve. And then back to my coaching program, have the life that you want and that you desire. Whew. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, I tell you one thing, it's official. You got to come back with this book, come back. We got to have this whole divorce conversation because I'm just listening to you like, oh, this is juicy. You know, you got some questions I should ask myself a couple of times. So yeah. definitely, definitely got to have you back. Uh, Takara, I, I thank you so much for being on. Thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts with us, your time with us and myself and, and listeners. I want you to, to uh, leave us, I'll let you have the last word, um, leave us with something, um, I don't know, a, a word of advice, whatever it is that you want, a uh, word of wisdom, whatever that you want to leave us with and, and give us your um, you know, social media handles and all of that. Uh, I'll give you a chance to think about that real quick. Uh, to my listeners, I told you guys I was going to tell you how you can win $100, right? So you can win $100 by being a super subscriber, just being our, one of our super subscribers. What does it mean to be a super subscriber? That means you have subscribed to our YouTube page, our Facebook page, and our Spotify podcast. All three of those, you must subscribe to all three. And then after you subscribe to all three, then you must text the word WIN to 866-326-0730. That's 866-326-0730 to qualify to win $100. And 
That's it. That's all you got to do. And it's a random contest and it's ongoing. So random means I can do it anytime. I can do it today and I can do it tomorrow if I wanted to or whenever. And it never stops. So whenever you win, whoever wins, and you always have another chance to win. So become a super subscriber. Join our super subscriber contest by subscribing to our YouTube page, our Facebook page, and our Spotify podcast. Then text the word WIN to 866-326-0730. Thank you guys very much. So, Miss Takara, I'm going to let you have the last word, so the floor is yours. The last word, well, since we were talking about sex, I'm going to keep it there, and that is communicate, communicate, communicate. Don't be afraid to communicate your sexual needs, your desires, whether you're abstaining or whatever. Don't let anyone talk you out of your conviction, if that's what it is that you have. And then also move at your own pace. Don't let anybody speed you up if that's not what you're comfortable with. And as I always say, like, if you are uncomfortable with having the sex conversation with someone that you're dating or in a relationship with, you probably don't need to be having sex. Like if you can't ask them, when is the last time they've been tested? When is the last time they've been sexually, like have they gotten tested? And they provide proof now, trust and verify, <laughs> then get up out of there. <laughs> Right, right. And, hey, it's just the world we live in at this time. It's like, hey, you show me the money, like they say. <laughs> so, Mr. Exactly. Kyra, what, uh, where, what is your social media handles and where can they find you uh, to follow you and also uh, to sign up for your coaching program? Yes. So, Instagram is where I play at the most. And so I am Takara underscore Renee on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook as well. And definitely if you're interested in my coaching services, then on Instagram or even on Facebook as well, I do have a link tree and you could just click on that. And I also have like a little freebie because I'm all about journaling and writing your thoughts out so that you can be honest with yourself about the life that you want. And so definitely you can go to my link tree, get a free journal so that we can start working our way towards being authentically and uniquely you. All right, all right. Again, Takara, I definitely appreciate you being here. Thank you for uh, for joining us tonight. Um, to my listeners, thank you guys for tuning in once again. Uh, make sure you, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube page to our Facebook page, and to our Spotify podcast. So you don't miss nothing, right? We don't want to miss anything. You, If you subscribe on YouTube, you get to see my face, right? And <laughs> put a face to the voice, okay? And to, also to the face of uh, my guests. Uh, if you go to Facebook and join our Facebook page, you also get to see our faces, but you also get to get information that we're not able to share uh, as freely on YouTube, um, which includes events that we have coming up, new guests that we already have coming up, products that we have coming up, webinars, seminars, things like that. Um, we are expanding into all of those fields even more. Um, I myself have three eBooks that I've written that's coming out and a hardcover book that's coming out. So you guys got to go to a Facebook page, man. You got to go to the Facebook page so you 
can, uh, you know, be able to communicate with us and, and keep abreast of all those things that is happening. So once again, thank you guys for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. I am your host, Ernest James, and my mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. So until next time, we will see you guys next week. Be blessed. Hey guys, I know you're enjoying the podcast. However, don't forget to join our text line at 866-326-0730. That's 866-326-0730 in order to receive text messages with new events and things that is going on and new episodes as they release. All right, see you in a minute. Thanks for listening to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. Remember to listen, like, subscribe, and share. This episode has been brought to you by Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear an inspirational tea and be inspired all day. Let's go to dealtohealtees.myshopify.com. Remember, our mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem. Heal from the pain and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for listening.